Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Thank God. Let's lift our hands and worship our great God and Savior. We love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your righteousness and your grace. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen. I'd like for you to turn with me this morning to the book of John, chapter 4. Now, if you think that I think I'm going to add anything to anything, uh, I'm not. But the message I preach on the sure mercies of David, whenever the Lord gives me half a chance, I preach it. In about the last year or so, whenever the Lord gives me half a chance, I, uh, I want to preach what I feel to bring to you today. I feel like he's given me half a chance. I thought, now, brother, Arnold keeps going. I ain't going to get no chance. But I guess I'm going to take a chance, praise God. But verse number 21, Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Amen. And let's ask that God would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord God, we're mindful of you your great goodness, your mercy. We ask God that the anointing of the Lord would rest on every one of us. We need your hand both today, tonight, rest of our lives to do your work, God, in this world. We love you with everything that is within us. In that most glorious, beautiful, holy name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. God bless you so very much. You may be seated. Now, very quickly, I want to bring us up to date on this setting. The Lord Jesus, in his itinerant ministry, was going with his disciples, and he gave them bad news one day that he must needs go through Samaria. He was not excited to go, and if I understand the reading correctly, the Samaritans were not excited about his coming to the place when they would not receive him into their houses, that James and John waxed very spiritual and desired to be empowered with Elijah's power, that they could just call down fire out of heaven and put a lot of people out of their misery. Amen. And Jesus let them to know that they did not know what manner of spirit they were of, that he did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, including Samaritans, which was quite a statement because the Samaritan peoples, there is, there is no uh, ethnic barriers or walls or chasms, amen, in our society, however deep they might be without this gospel that compared to the feelings that ran between the Jews and the Samaritans of that day. There were many reasons for that. And it goes back from the days when Rehoboam split off 
Amen. It goes back to the days when Ahab built a city called Samaria in the area of Samaria. It goes back to the days when Jeroboam set up his golden calves. It goes back to the days when the Assyrians took the uh, children of Israel captive that had forsaken their God and replaced them with folks from around the world that knew not God. And when the lions came out to devour, somebody said, There's, these are more than just hungry lions. They're just killing for sport. And someone astute said, well, we know not the man of the God of the land. They, they dredged up a priest. He came and taught them the ways of God. And then the ignominy of being a people, the Bible said, that feared the Lord and worshiped their own gods. So that, then you add to that about 400 years previous to the reading, there was a renegade priest that broke away from Jerusalem because he didn't feel like his political star rose high enough. And so he went there and set about to worship in that area and made Gerizim the place of worship. So that and many, many, many other reasons came into play for the, for the vast, amen, gulf between the Jews and the Samaritans. They were a hated people. And so when Jesus said they must needs go through there, uh, it excited nobody, Jew or Samaritan alike. So then they come to a city called Sychar, which is no stranger to the word of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it is called Shechem. And it was very famous or infamous depending on what went on. But a man, Shechem meant a place of burdens. But times and people had changed until they changed the name of the city. We can only guess as to why. It was now called Sychar, which did not mean a place of burdens, but it meant a place of drunkenness. So, of all cities to pick in a, in, a, in a detested area, it looks like Jesus more or less went to the armpit. Amen. And uh, the s- disciples were sent on by the Lord to go on up into the city while Jesus remained at the well to begin the bartering process to get some victuals for them to eat, a job which no doubt they detested. They didn't want to be there, and they certainly didn't want to have to dicker around uh, with these Samaritans. And uh, so they went their way, and Jesus stayed at the well, waiting, waiting. And then about noontime, a woman came. She was not coming at the right time of day because she was not the right kind of woman. The women of those cities, they went to the well two times in the day. They went in the morning to draw water for the needs of the day, and they came in the evening to draw water for the needs of the night. As they would gather, they would no doubt trade recipes, bring each other up to date on the latest children's sicknesses and cures, uh, talk about their husband's work and uh, changes taking place and who was marrying who. And, and I, I doubt it happened, you know, a whole lot. I mean, it's possible that they may have even gossiped a little bit. I don't know. You know, I don't imagine they did it a whole lot, but they might gossip some. And uh, and very probably when they did buy from that, uh, one of the subjects of their gossip was this woman that showed up at noon because she probably got tired of the cold, hard stairs in the morning and the evening and just decided, I'll just get a bigger pot, go one time a day and leave these ladies to their tongues. And uh, so she shows up at noonday, not expecting anybody at the well. It's not the time of day that you go there. And she finds somebody at the well. It is a man. And by his features, no doubt, she recognized him as a Jew. And by his apparel and the decorum of the hem of his garment, she recognized him as an observant Jew. And uh, so this is a new thing. This is surprising to her. And uh, she doesn't know what he's a Jew doing there. And he is an observant Jew. And surely he will not break the social uh, decorum of actually a man, especially being a Jew, speaking to her, Samaritan, especially her being a woman. And yet he does speak. And he has the temerity to ask her, for a drink of water. She may have thought, 
experienced woman as she was, yeah, sure. But uh, she just fends off whatever's in her mind. She says, I got a question. What are you, a Jew, asking me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink of water? His answer is, woman, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd be asking me for a drink of water. Now, whatever answer she expected, she didn't get it. And uh, so she says, all right, one thing always leads to another. You don't have nothing to draw with. How are you going to give me a drink of water if I was to ask you? And she said, well, he said, you can come to this water and keep drinking all you want to. And you're going to keep coming back because you're thirsty. But if you ever get a drink of the waters that I'm talking about, you'll never be thirsty again. Because the waters that I'm talking about will actually create in you a well that will spring up into everlasting life. Now, this conversation is taking some strange twists and turns. And uh, she's hooked. I'm curious. I don't like coming to this well anyway. So give me a drink. And uh, he said, great. Go get your husband. Well, she didn't expect that one either. And so she was apparently fast on her feet. And she said, well, I don't have one. But he was faster. And he said, you said that very well because you don't. But you've had five. And the man you're living with, you just don't happen to be married to. <laughs> this is worse than dealing with the women. And uh, uh, now she wants to change tracks completely. Um, she's, she just wants to get out of there. And so she decides to do it verbally. And, and uh, she said, y'all, uh, I perceive you're a prophet. And I've always wanted to find a prophet that I could ask him a spiritual question. And our fathers say that Gerizim, now to me, she's rattling. She's just trying to change subjects. And, and uh, she says, uh, our fathers say Gerizim is the place to worship. And you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place to worship. Uh, you know, what do you say about that? And he said, well, it really don't matter, lady, because you don't know what you worship to begin with. Secondly, you're not even saved because you're not of the Jews. You know, this conversation just is not going right for this lady. And uh, he said, that's the bad news. But he said, now I've got good news for you. Here's the good news, lady. And I've got the best news you have heard in your life. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship neither in Gerizim nor at Jerusalem. But there is a latitude and a longitude. There is a location Amen. That God is looking for, but it's, it's not, amen, geographical, but it is spiritual. Amen. And, uh, it is doctrinal. And, and if you can ever get in the realm where you've got this degree of spirit and this degree of truth, if you'll worship God in spirit and in truth, you have hit pay dirt. Praise God. For God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Amen. And God is seeking for such that will worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't have to be at Gerizim and it doesn't have to be in Jerusalem. It's just got to be in the right doctrine and it's got to be in the right spirit. Amen. Now, the woman, I believe, in verse 25, is so taken aback. She has been taken aback and taken aback from the beginning of this conversation. There is something about him. Never a man spake like this man. Never a man looked at her like this man. Never a man emanated a feeling about him like this man. And now I think she's fishing. And she's curious beyond the simple statement of what it says. 
the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. Not I think, not I hope, not I believe. What a strange thing for a woman with that kind of a lifestyle, whatever twists and turns it had taken to bring her to that point to say, I know, I know. You know, Jesus finds faith in some strange places sometimes, but brother, as long as he can find it, that's what he's looking for. Praise God. She said, I know that Messiah cometh. And in my mind, she takes a breath before she continues and says, when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. And I just kind of think she looks and listens to hear what's going to come out of his mouth. Her heart is beating faster now. Could it be, could it possibly, possibly be that my little trek to the well at the wrong time of day with my life as wrong, could it possibly be? I know that Messiah's coming and when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. And then Jesus, he is not talking to Joseph. He is not talking to Nicodemus. He's not talking to his disciples. He's not talking to his own mother. He's talking to a woman. Amen. Her nationality is wrong. Her theology is wrong. Her spirituality is wrong. Amen. Her morals is wrong. Everything about this woman is wrong. He's not speaking, amen, to the Gamaliels of this world. He's not speaking even to his own disciples. But he gives this woman a declaration that you're hard-pressed to find anywhere in this book as plain, as clear, as forthright. Amen. He said, woman, I that speak unto thee am he and brother that's all she needed to hear and she dropped the water pot and she began to evermore make her way back to the city and she's running into that city like a wild eyed schoolgirl. I have found him I have found him I have found him which is the Christ he just told me everything about my life Which lets you know how much of one-track life she had lived. He told me everything. I'm telling you, it's the Messiah and he's here now. And the man, what school of theology did you come from? How many years of study have you given to this subject? How much praying have you done, lady? But you know what? They could not refute her enthusiasm. I may not be smart, but I'm telling you, I found him. I may not be spiritual, but you can't refute what I have got on my heart. And brother, it's hard to override some good old-fashioned enthusiasm of somebody that's head over heels in love with Jesus. It's hard to knock in experience. It's hard to knock excitement. It's hard to knock zeal. It's hard to knock the glory on somebody's face. They finally decided, well, you are the last person on earth. We ever expected, but something's happened. We know something's up. We'll follow you out of curiosity if nothing else. And they went to, well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, the disciples had showed up somewhere before she left the water pot. They come with their victuals they bought, no doubt unhappy about the deal they had to make. And now they stop. What is he doing? A man, a Jew, talking to a woman of Samaria. What's she doing here at noon? 
What's going on? What did he just tell her? Boy, look at that look on her face. Where's she going? What's up? And then he said, Lord, you haven't eaten yet, have you? I have meat to eat that you know not of. Oh, it's to do the will of him that sent me. John 12, 45. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. <laughs> but uh, so do the will of him that sent me. Amen. That's how I live. That's how I subsist. That's what keeps me going. While they're talking, he says, now, by the way, don't think four months and yet cometh a harvest. Because lift up your eyes right now, boys. Look on the fields. And coming down the hill was this little old woman. And these men, yes, 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 come on. And, and she comes up, that's him, that's him. Ask him something, Bubba. Lay it on him. Bring out your reasonings. Bring out your problems. Come on, ask him, ask him. You tell him. What's your name, by the way? And before it's over, they're standing there with their jaws open. They finally turn to her and say, you're right. Not that we believe you, but whoo, you are right. He's it. It's the Messiah. Now I want to tell you what I want to preach about. If it's good enough for Jeffy, it's good enough for me. Praise God. I don't know if he's here. The disciples looking. They ain't got the right geography. They don't have the right lineage. They don't got the right morals. They don't got the right theology. They don't have the right spirituality. And look what's happening. Yes. And here's their statement, I guess. My subject for sure. I can see old Simon looking at Andrew saying, you just never know. You just never know. You may think you know. You may think you've got it figured out who's fixing to take this and who's not. You may think you know who's interested and who's not. You may think you know who is harvest material and who is not. But I got news for all of us today. You just never know. You don't know who's going to accept this. You don't know who's going to reject this. You don't know who's going to do handsprings over it. You don't know, brother. He's a big God. He's a powerful God. He's a glorious God. And what's more, he is a reaching God who is seeking for those that will worship him. And again, sometimes they come packaged up in some packages we don't expect. But you just never know. Amen. Brother Kenzie, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. For it is written. It is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudence. The understanding of the prudence coming to nothing. Read. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. Now is that 25 or 19? That's 25. Okay, read 19. For it is written, I it will is. destroy the wisdom of the wise right. and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? God has a way of bringing the Weisenheimers down a notch or two and surprising everybody. Hallelujah. You just never know. You may think you know, but you just never know. Now go back to where you were reading. Read. 
Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. When God gets silly, he outsmarts us. Read. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And God's weakness is stronger than all we can put together together. Read. For ye see your calling. All right, everybody. Turn around and look at your neighbor. Don't need to shake their hand. Just stare. You are seeing your calling, brethren. Look all around you. You are seeing your calling. You see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise not men after the many flesh. wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many mighty, not many noble, not many noble are called. Are called. Did you notice? Check us out. There's some, but not many. Read. But God hath chosen but the foolish God things of the world. chosen us, the foolish things of the world, to confound the wise. To confound the wise. And God hath chosen God the things of the world. Chosen. The what? To confound the things which are mighty. Confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world. Base things of the world. Things which are despised. Things which are despised. I'm telling you that chosen fit the bill. I need somebody despised, base, ignorant. Hey, you'll do. You'll do. I'm fixing to give you a revelation. I'm not giving the Sanhedrin. I'm fixing to give you a revelation. It's going to be a while before the boys even pick it up. I'm fixing to give you a revelation because you just never know. You just never know. Read. Yea, and these things which are not. Things which are not. To bring to naught things that are. To bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh, no flesh, no flesh to glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. Who God's fixing to move on. Who God's fixing to choose. Who God's fixing to save. Who God's fixing to reveal himself to. In the book of Acts, the ninth chapter. Verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Good man. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Now he's praying. Ananias. the Lord. He's probably down there. Jesus, use me. Please, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. Why haven't you asked me to sing, Brother Danny? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so he's touching God, feeling good. And the Lord said, Ananias. Oh, yes. Read. And he said, Behold. Behold. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. Read. And the Lord said unto him, Yes. Arise. Arise. Go into the street which oh, is called Straight. Street that is called Straight. Read. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Well, behold, whoa, 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 Saul, Saul of Tarsus, of Tarsus, Jesus, use me, please, Lord, don't refuse me, surely there's some other work that I can do. <laughs> This man don't want it. Hey, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. This man don't want it. He's got his theology right as far as it goes. This man don't want it. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's got the right nationality. He's got the right geography. He didn't come from no mean city. He won't be interested in this. I'm here to tell you, you just never know. You just never know. You just never know. There's nobody too good. There's nobody too bad. Brother, my God knows who they are and where they are. We can think we know, but you just never know. Read. For behold, he prayeth. He's doing what? He's praying. Oh, have mercy. Read. And have seen in a vision. A vision? A man named Ananias coming in. Me? And putting his hand on him. My hand? That he might receive his sight. You mean he's blind? Turkey's blind? Read. 
Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. Apparently, you're not as omniscient as I thought. How much evil he have done to thy saints in Jerusalem. to fill you in on the guy you want me to pray for. He's done a lot of evil. Read. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. He wants to bind people that call on your name. And in case you didn't notice, I was calling on your name when you interrupted me. Read. But the Lord said unto him. But the Lord said. Go thy way. You just never know, Bubba. You may think you know, but you just never know. Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me. He is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles. To bear my name before the Gentiles. And king. Dear mercy. Now you're fixing to go to the Gentiles. I'm telling you, one thing leads to another. God, you're going to start with him. Next thing you're going to be fooling with is those Gentiles. That's right, brother. You just never know. You just never know. You may think you know, but you don't know. He's a big God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. He's a glorious God. And he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Ecclesiastes 11. Cast thy bread upon the waters. Cast your bread on the waters, boy. For thou shalt find it after many days. Let me tell you something. I would to God you could have saw me the first time. Don't sit down because I'll forget you there. Praise the Lord. Pray for his leg. He's got a bad leg. But he'll stay. Praise the Lord. I wish you could have saw me the first time I ever entered church I got the Holy Ghost in it was bad my hair was down to here my pants were a conglomeration of patches sewed together I know I didn't have socks on and I don't think I had shoes on and my shirt tails was out sleeves was undone and I weighed well I've been eating Louisiana style I weighed I'm afraid I weighed over a hundred pounds less than I do right now. That wasn't true before I got here, but now I think it's probably true. I was skinny. And when I walked in the back door, I promise you, because the saints told me, they looked back and saw me and they got their kids and scooted them up close. I was not voted the most likely to succeed. Now, I won't go into all of it, but I was a drug-running, heroin-pushing punk, buying thousand lots of LSD in Boulder, Colorado for 19.29 cents a head, sending them to Vietnam to be sold for five dollars a tab, where they'd send back uncut heroin. But you just never know. You just never know. You just never know. I remember one day walking the streets of Boulder looking for my contact. Some little old girl about this tall, leather, leather coat, and, and there goes one right there. Praise God. And uh, she's walking along saying, spare change, spare change. I looked at her and in my righteous indignation said, get a job. And so she began to question my parentage and things of my birth and my mother and all those kind of things. And so I began to remark upon probability of her being of the same and, and he's going back and forth. Finally, I, I thought I'd hit her if she wasn't female. And I turned and I started to walk away. And I heard, <laughs> and I looked at my leg, 
And I looked at her and she looked at me. I said, you? She said, you deserved it. Oh, I wanted to get her so bad. Here I am today by the mercies of God. You just never know. You just never know. Read, brother. Cast your bread upon the waters. For thou shalt find it after many days. You're going to find it after many days. Give a portion to seven. Give a portion to seven. And give it to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. You never know what evil is fixing to come on this earth. If the clouds be full of rain, full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. They're going to empty themselves. And if the tree fall toward the south, it falls to the south, or toward the north, or the north, in the place where the tree falls, where it falls, there shall it be. It's going to be. You better get it before it falls. He that observeth the wind oh, shall but not the sow. The wind's blowing. I can't sow. He that regardeth the clouds, man, it's in the rain. You're not going to reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit. As thou knowest not. As thou knowest not. Do you hear me? You just never know. You just never know. You just never know. As thou knowest not. What is the way of the spirit? You don't know the ways of the spirit. You don't know who God's fixing to tap on the shoulder. You don't know who God's fixing to talk to. You don't know who God's fixing to deal with. You don't know who God's prepared for you to show up in their life. The way of the spirit. You don't know the way of the spirit. Nor how the bones do grow in the womb. You don't know how babies are born. You don't know how bones are formed in the womb of her that is with child. Even so thou knowest not the works of God. Even so thou knowest not the works of God. You just never know the works of God. You just never know what he's fixing to do and when he's fixing to do it. And who he's fixing to do it with. Read. In the morning sow thy seed. In the morning sow thy seed. And in the evening withhold, in the not, evening thy withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not. You do not know. Whither shall prosper. Whither's going to prosper. Either, this, Either or that. this or that. Or whether they both shall be alike good. Or whether it's all coming up. It's all coming up. It's all coming up. All coming you up. just never know. So I found myself at a Pentecostal altar in Bartlesville, Oklahoma that night. I wept, I sobbed, I cried, I wailed for an hour and a half. Guess I was getting ready for preaching. Not today though. And, uh, My pastor-to-be came by and said, how do you feel? I said, I don't know. I've been so bad. He said, Larry, I'm going to ask you something. Are you sure maybe God hadn't forgiven you or you have not forgiven yourself? I said, I don't know. I began to pray some more. and I began to feel something lift. Pretty soon he came back. I didn't know about 1 Corinthians 11. I didn't know it was a shame for man to have long hair. I didn't know nothing. I knew John 3.16, but I couldn't find it and didn't know what it meant. That's all I knew. And I looked up, and he looked down, and he said, How do you feel? I pulled my hair out of my face. I said, I think I need a haircut. So they took me out to a cow pond in early April, Easter Sunday, 1972. Amen. They said, Larry, you're going to get the, you thought that was good. You wait till you get baptized. You think that's good. You wait till you get the Holy Ghost. I said, well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what this Holy Ghost is, but I'm not going to get it. Why? Because I'm not good enough. They baptized me in that water. I came out. I saw a bright light. And brother, the Holy Ghost was on me. And then I remembered what scum I was. And I didn't get it. 
But five nights later, I heard a man up preaching on Jesus, the rock of my salvation. I looked at my buddy and I said, I am going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. Because I realized it's not me, Bubba. It's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. I'm here to tell you, you just never know. So God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm so close to being done. I want the musicians to come. Don't touch nothing. Just come. Praise the Lord. One morning, one afternoon rather, a thunderstorm hit. That's the biggest thing I miss about the South. I miss those thunderstorms. I do, man. All we got is earthquakes. Anyway, it started raining. That's right. And I come out and I sit on the porch. The lightning was flashing. And I'm sitting in the rain, worshiping my God. And I promise this happened. I promise you. Now I've since learned it's a it's a very rare but real natural phenomena. It has to do with the elements and the atmosphere working like a prism but all of a sudden and instead of white lightning it was green red blue hey Larry come here that's the guy that warned me to God he come out I said check it out white blue red green we're standing out in the front yard, trenched. I mean, it's pouring. Well, across the street down a little ways was a family standing in the picture window checking us out. Check them out. And we're just, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And my buddy, he said, just think, Jesus is the most powerful name in the universe. And the millisecond he said it, here came a bolt of lightning that halfway down blew up. Scientists, I just read this about a month ago, know that this is true. They know what happens, but it happens so fast. They know it's true because so many thousands of people have seen it, but they've never got one photo of it ever. Halfway down, it blew up and continued all in a millisecond. So Larry's saying, just think, Jesus is the most powerful name in the universe. I fell flat on my face in the mud. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And the family across the street, check him out. And they were laughing and they were hee-hawing, but they had a little daughter. That was 18 years old. That had been in Vanita State Mental Institution. And she got to come home for a couple of weeks. Because her nerves were a little bit better. She'd been on drugs. She was shot. She was pitiful. And while the family was laughing. She was looking at us. Tears. Streaming down her face. I got myself up covered with mud. And when the rain was over, I went in the house. The next day, I opened the door. This little Nancy. Are you religious? Yeah. Tell me about it. I said, I'd be glad to tell you about it. When I got done, I said, would you like to go to church? She said, I really would. We took her to church. That night, she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That night, she was baptized in Jesus' name. I'm here to tell you, you just never know. You just never know. You just never know. We started having revival. A bunch of them, fellow former hippie people, were praying through. Saw little old Pam. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Going on through life. Sitting in church about a month. I was looking at her one day. I said, Pam, 
Boy, you look familiar. She said, you do too, Larry. I've been trying to. I said, uh, she said, were you always, were you born and raised in Oklahoma? I said, no, I was, uh, I was born and raised in Colorado. She said, I'm in Colorado. I said, really? Where? She said, I was in Boulder. I said, really? Was you in Boulder? She goes, yeah, I used to be a street person. I said, it's you. She said, it's you. I said, you spit on me. She said, you deserved it. And I'm here to tell you, you just never know. You just never know. You just never know. He's a big God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. He's a glorious God. You just, you just, you just, you just, you just never know. Oh, God, use me. Oh, God, use me. God, use us. God, use us. God, use us. God, use us. Use our hands. Use our feet. Use our eyes. Use our tongue. Use us. We just never know. And I'm closing with this. And anybody that's pastored for a while, been in church for a while, could either tell their own story or a myriad number of stories like it. You just never know. I went to hold a revival many years ago in a place. I uh, had to have a backhoe pull my trailer into the snow drift where the slab was. I uh, got there. Pastor's wife pulled up chains on the back of their car. She come running out in her snow boots. She was grinning like a Cheshire cat. She said, guess what? Guess what? I thought she was going to tell me about great revival. She said, we're leaving this place. And what few saints we got, we're taking them with them. And we're out of here. I said, why did you have me come? We just wanted some good preaching before we left. It was so pitiful. I remember being in that auditorium. I was so frustrated. I was so disturbed. Finally, in my desperation, I said, God! You are dealing with anybody in this city. Tell me where they are. And I'll talk to them right now. And he spoke to me and said, across the street, third house down. Jesus, use me. And I... Opened the door. There was a house there. I was a 23-year-old evangelist. Four. Three. I went across the street, third house down. I... Pretty soon, I knocked one more time, and there you are. And the door opened. Yeah! One of the meanest looking women I'd ever seen in my life. What do you want? I said, well, I said, see that little church over there? Yeah! I'm an evangelist holding revival. I kind of felt impressed. Come knock on your door. Yeah! So if you'd ever like to come, <laughs> we'd love to have you. Yeah! Okay. That was it. That night, for lack of better, anything better to do, <laughs> I told the pastor about it. He said, you did what? I said, well, that's... What happened? He said, that's the meanest woman in this city. I said, I believe that. 
He said, but her husband is the nicest man you ever want to meet. And said, that man, more than any other human being, helped me put this ramshackle building back to be in a church. And I thought, I just knocked on the door at the wrong time. I said, how do I know when he's home? I said, a blue pickup truck will be out in front. So the next two, three days, boy, I'd look out that window. And I seen the truck. And I went across the street, third house down. But on the way, I thought, how do you know it's him? How do I know it's him? I said, God, whoever it is, let him answer the door. And I knocked on the door. Yeah! And there she was. I said, ma'am, I want to tell you something. I was not entirely forthright with you the other day. I said, I'm going to tell you why I was here and why I'm here. I was praying and I cried out to God and I said, God, if there is anybody in this city that you're dealing with, tell me where they are and I'll talk to them. And I said, ma'am, the Lord God spoke to me and said across the street, third house down, I said, that's your house. And that woman's countenance crumbled. And she fell against the door chair. She said, preacher, you've got my number. God has tearing me to pieces and I'm so miserable. You just never know. You never know. You never know. But God does know. What say ye will lift our hands? Let's ask God to use them. Let's ask God to use us. Let's ask God to use our lips. Let's ask God to use our mouth. Let's ask God. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Because we just never know. Just love him.